From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five to thirty miles on. Most of us know the jagged contours of heartbreak, how they can slice your sense of self and see you crying into the nook of your couch for weeks. But what happens when that heartbreak is coupled with a nightmarish breakup, one so cruel and utterly bizarre that you question just about everything? Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about nightmare breakups. To do that, we'll be hearing from three women who are still reeling from the fallout of theirs, even years down the line. Are there neat bows or easy lessons to take from any of these tales? Well, no, not really. But maybe that's the point. Sometimes in life and love, the experiences we have can't be explained away. All that's left to say about them is, well, what the fuck? You've called the Love Etc. Breakup Support Line. What's your trauma? Hey, Mish and Zara. So when I was 18 years old, I started dating this guy. I found all these nudes on his phone of um, another girl that he was really good friends with. And I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. I loved him so much and I was like, it's okay, we can get past it. And then at my family Easter... He actually cheated on me with my cousin in her bedroom. So that's a bit of a nightmare breakup story. And he told me it's because I wouldn't put out. The funny thing about this episode is that it's the only call out for stories we did that exclusively received replies from heterosexual women who were left nothing but traumatized by the straight men in their lives. That's right the only one. Across this third season of Love Etc., we will be exploring all kinds of love, but when it comes to the most fucked up breakups, you guys only had stuff to say about straight men. And if that's not the most unsurprising thing in the entire world, we honestly don't know what is. Speaking of shifty straight guys, we're channeling Emily in Paris for today's first story. Grab your passport and your chicest outfit, listeners, because we are heading with Maddie to France. I decided to go on a gap year and I gave a lot of thought as to what I wanted to do. I'd studied French in school but just decided that I wanted to push myself a bit more and go do something way out of my comfort zone which is exactly what ended up happening. So that's how I wound up in Paris and I was lucky enough to find a place to live. I lived on my own. Yeah, I just kind of went with it. I got an internship over there and it all kind of fell into place. Were you dating around much? Like what was your love life like when you were in Paris at 18? I went over there and I didn't know anyone. And funnily enough, I spent a few weeks kind of in my apartment just feeling really sorry for myself, not knowing where to begin or how to meet anyone. And um, I ended up downloading a dating app literally to meet friends. So some of my best friends now like best friends in the world, I met through this dating app in Paris. So that's kind of how that happened. But I didn't meet the guy that we're talking about today on an app. I met him at a party. Talk to us about that party. You meet a man called Pierre. He tells you he's 27. And you told us in the original email you sent to us that he came across as a total dreamboat. 
Tell us about that first meeting. So the guy that I rented the apartment off of was this lovely, lovely gay gentleman in Paris. And he said that there was a party that happens every year at the fire station across the road and that I just had to go and all the best looking men in Paris are firemen. And, you know, so of course I was super psyched for that party. And that's where I met him. So the way that it worked is that this is for the, um, the holiday is like the 14th of July. That's the French national holiday. And so at least in Paris, all the fire um, stations throw this massive party. It's a community party, so anyone can go. So half of the stations host the party on one night and then the other half of the stations host it on the next night, obviously, so that if there's a fire, some of the stations aren't just <laughs> all drunk. I actually um, didn't click. I was just like, cool, two parties, two nights. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so just in case, you never know. And so... Half of the guys, the fire guys were in light blue uniforms and I worked out that they were like off duty and then the ones that were in dark blue uniforms were still kind of having to work and like act as security and all of that. And so I went with a couple of girlfriends and we, I have photos from the night, like it was just ridiculous. We had this competition to see who could get, who could get a picture with the most <laughs> kind, like <laughs> such a young 18 year old thing to do. And um Towards the end of the night, I lost one of my friends and couldn't reach her on her phone. So I just kind of figured I'd stand by the front gate, like the entrance to the station. So Pierre was talking to one of his friends. He was one of the ones that was on duty. And I ended up talking to his friend first. And then he kind of took over and approached me afterwards. And we had a chat and he asked me like how old I was, where I was from, what I was doing there. And I mentioned that I lived across the road and I guess he was going tick 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 (laughs) and he gave me his number and kissed me then and yeah that's kind of how it all started. What were your first impressions of him? What did you think of him when you were in this first conversation? I remember just thinking he was so attractive. (laughs) Like I kind of admired the fire. It's this weird little, it's not a fetish, I don't know. I just kind of had this thing for them. I thought they were really cute. Like every day I would pass the station And yeah, I thought they were all quite attractive. And then, yeah, he was gorgeous. He was interesting and funny and kind. And yeah, he was just, he was great. Where did things go from there? Tell us about the next few weeks. We texted back and forth a lot and then ended up just kind of meeting up. So we went on a few dates and just kind of how any relationship starts really. And then, yeah, he'd stay at mine probably most nights after a few weeks. It was very much like straight on in there, full throttle. The guys all live at the station. So it's kind of like a barracks. So my understanding is that it's part of the military. So they all live um, at the station. And so he was able to stay with me every night because if need be, he could be there in literally a minute, two minutes, the same as if he was actually staying across the road. So that's how it, um, it was allowable that he stayed with me. You spend about seven months together. And what were those seven months like? Like what were your happiest memories? I was, I'd had a boyfriend in high school, right? But it wasn't anything kind of serious. And this felt like, it just felt completely different. I was very much in love with him after a few months. And it was always him that was saying he told me he loved me first and it felt very, very mutual. The whole thing felt very mutual. 
he just seemed infatuated by me, you know, and I being young and like relatively inexperienced and I thought it was the best thing ever. Like I remember calling my parents and being like, mom and dad, I've met a guy, you know, I was so stoked. And it's funny because the one thing my mom said to me when I left Sydney was like, do not fall in love. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't fall in love. Tell us about what he would tell you. So like over these seven months, what kind of life did he have? What kind of family did he have or friends? Like how much were you welcomed into his life given that you were spending all this time together and were madly in love with each other? So I became quite good friends with some of the boys that he was working with at the station. In terms of his family, it's funny because in hindsight, we didn't really talk about his family that much. I knew that his parents lived outside of Paris. I knew that he had siblings, but beyond that, I didn't know anything really. So everything seems like a bit of a fairy tale. You're 18, living yeah. in Paris. You've met a fireman who lives across the road from you, who is now staying yeah. with you every night. You're in love with him. And then you get a message on Facebook. Yes. So I got a message from this woman who I never, I'd never seen her before, but he was in her profile picture and the message was something along the lines of like, who are you and what's your relation to Pierre? And I just replied, I'm his girlfriend. And she said, I'm his wife. So like 18-year-old me is like, what the actual fuck? And so I was went on a mini rampage. Like this just sounds so ridiculous, but I stormed over to the station, banged on the door. One of the boys opened the door and said, like, what's up? Because I was crying. I just said, is he married? Is he married? And he said, yeah. And so I went back to my apartment and called my friend, called her and she came straight over. And by the time I got back to my apartment and checked my phone again, I had about 20 messages from this woman saying like, how long have you been together? How have you been intimate? You know, just all these questions. And I just replied and I said, I'm sorry, but this has nothing to do with me. Like, I really don't want to answer these questions, you know, because I was in shock and I've, of course, have no idea what I'm dealing with. And she replied to that with, please, like, I'm begging you, we've got two children together. Okay, a few questions at the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. So he had a separate life and a separate Facebook account. When this woman connected with you, yeah. did you go onto her account and see all those things? Like, did she tag him in photos so you could see that he had this whole other online presence and a whole other life? Like, what did you learn when you looked on that Facebook account? I saw two kids, but they had their back. It was in her cover photo and they had their backs to the camera. So I had no idea um, if they were boys or girls they were young and then of course there were photos of professional photo shoots of of them as a couple just all over her profile so when I finally reached him he called me and he was furious we'd never had a fight before ever and he was furious and he was like my captain has just called me so his I guess superior at the station and said that you've come over like because it's a barracks that's completely not allowed and he yeah he was furious and I just said like you're married like what right do you have to be furious at me and then that's how he found out that I knew and from there he just denied everything and he explained to me that she was crazy it was it was his ex from a long time ago you know she's nuts she's nuts and he loves me so much and I'm his only the only reason for his happiness and all this bullshit 
all I can say is like I really questioned everything and I was I was upset at myself because I was I was just thought how did I get this so wrong and upon reflection this guy was a mastermind like he knew exactly what he was doing and I think he had a lot of experience doing what he was doing we were together every night and I know now that his family lived about four hours away by train and so it wasn't possible for him to visit them often. So about once a month he would tell me that he was going to go visit his mum in his hometown outside of Paris and so he would go for one or two nights. I didn't place any value really at the time on getting to know his family. Like I, It just didn't concern me too much. Because you were and there on so, a gap year and you knew you were going to go home. Exactly and as much as I absolutely adored this guy there was always a sense of you know at some point it's going to come to an end even though of course he was telling me that he'd moved to Australia and all this stuff and you know and so there was there was one or two times when he said like I'd love you to come this time to meet my mom but when when it came time to do that she was sick or something I had no idea but in terms of day-to-day like I had complete access to his phone there was never any any weirdness around that and of course the all the people that we knew mutually all knew the situation and I was friends with some of them and so like how how the hell would I have ever oh and they didn't say anything they didn't tell anyone they knew he was married they knew he had kids and they didn't tell you complete betrayal on like every front it was just awful it was absolutely awful this was my first real, real experience loving someone and feeling loved and being promised everything and being promised the future. And I was just completely head over heels for this guy. And yeah, it was it was too good to be true. Maddie never got a sense of closure from Pierre. After a few phone calls pining for her back, things completely flipped and he just pretended she didn't exist anymore. A few weeks later, she was back on a flight to Australia. The original plan was to spend the holiday season at home before flying back to Paris. But after this nightmare breakup, Maddie decided it was time to come back for good. She left behind a lying, cheating narcissist in Pierre who sent her one final text message on the day of her departure. It told her, I was telling you the truth the entire time. You were the reason for my happiness. I will always love you. Next up, Lisa took her breakup on a month-long holiday. But first, let's check back in with the breakup support line. I wanted to share my disaster breakup story. It happened when I was still in high school, about 18 or 19. My high school sweetheart boyfriend, who I thought I was going to be with forever, decided to go over to Europe to visit his family and have a bit of a gap year holiday. I decided to stay in Australia and keep working and studying. Uh, He left and about three weeks into his trip, I got a Facebook message from him saying that he'd met someone over there and that he was never going to come home. Um, My boyfriend of three years broke up with me by moving to the other side of the country and getting his sister to text me that it's over. Yeah. So I was with my ex-fiancé. We were together for four years and we were engaged to be married. We were about five months out from the wedding and he turned 
30 and had a freak out and decided we needed to go on a break for a week. So I stayed with a friend for a week and then at the end of that week decided to come back and that he wanted to be together. So we decided that we would keep our meeting with our celebrant that we were having for that weekend. So we drove the two hours where we were going to meet the celebrant, where we were going to get married, which happened to be my favourite place in the whole world. And when we got there, he proceeded to break up with me and handed me a written list of my pros and cons and he had driven. So I was stuck there with him with a list of my pros and cons. Four pros and 11 cons after four years. So, yep. Lisa, talk to us about your ex-partner, Jack. How did you meet him? We met because we both worked in the same retail store. So um, I worked in a shop, it was like a dress shop, and he was one of the guys who worked in the storage room where he would come and refill the clothes, basically. So he was sort of in and out all the time, just delivering clothes, and there was a long, long time where we barely said two words to each other. But then there was like a work event where a bunch of girls from different stores got together for drinks and he came to that. And I think that was the first time that we sort of like had a a chat. I mean, he was like the most quiet, quiet person. So never really spoke beyond, hi, how's it going? And then that night, I think because he had a few drinks in him, his personality got a lot more open. How old were you? I was 19 and he was 25. So you guys were together for eight years, which I imagine it meant over the course of that eight years, you were incredibly embedded in each other's lives and each other's families, right? Totally. We were basically in each other's pockets. And I think when I think about it now, it makes a lot of sense to me how close we got because by the time we broke up, I had spent my entire adult life with him. Yeah, we loved each other a lot. And I think when you're supporting each other through big growth periods, you just become like very close. The bad parts of the relationship, if you want to call them that, was sort of, (laughs) this is so mean, but I said to him once that he had the emotional range of a teaspoon because (laughs) (laughs) He was just very, like the opposite of me in that way, very closed down, found it really hard to express simple emotions, like to the point of saying, like, I am sad about this, Um, was difficult for him and he just kept everything inside and I can't hang with that. I need to know what is wrong with you, what is a problem, because... I think the longer you're in a relationship, you realize that if you don't talk about something and come to a good place with it, it will just continuously repeat. So I found that really frustrating. And then towards the end of the relationship, uh, it's really hard for me to think about it now. I think I felt very ignored. It was sort of like we could be in the same room together, but I started to feel like I was just alone, if that makes sense. Um, And we had a lot of chats about it. I suggested that we go to couples counseling, which is like kind of funny now when I think, I think I was probably like 22 years old when I said that, but he (laughs) didn't want to do that. So these problems just never really resolved. It's an eight year relationship. You get to the point where it's like, all right, this is done. It's run its course. 
What what was the point where you both decided to break up? How did the breakup happen? I broke up with him. So I think if I hadn't have done that, uh, we would probably still be together. It just sort of felt like he thought that it was a given that I was like never going to go anywhere. Um, and it was really hard for me because it is the first experience I've had where it wasn't because I don't love you, but we don't feel compatible and this doesn't feel like it's working and it's causing me mental health issues at this point. I don't think there was any one incident where I was like, that's it. We can't do this anymore. But when I called to tell him that he was pretty shocked. And I think then we had to figure out whether we were still going to go on this one month trip to South America that we had already booked in. So it probably wasn't the best timing on my part. Set up the timeline for us. You break up. How long is it until you have to go on this pre-booked holiday to South America with his family? It was at least a month, maybe more like six weeks. And I remember that because we obviously then just didn't see each other for a month. So by the time we got to Chile and I saw his parents, they were like, we haven't seen you in so long. Okay, back right up. Back right up. Because what's the conversation that you have about still going on this trip? Like what's the conversation that you have that you decide not to speak for a month and then still go on this trip? It was weird. I mean, I think we had sunk so much money into this trip because it was a month away and across a bunch of different countries so the conversation was like we're both adults I'm sure this is fine we'll be fine it's a month together we can make this work did you fly over together on the flight over did you kind of like come up with some plan to trick his parents into thinking you were still together like you didn't tell his family that you were broken up they thought you were together the entire trip right Yes. So we did not tell them. His parents had already left. So they went ahead of us. They were already in Chile. So my parents dropped me at the airport. (laughs) We were like, hey, how's it going? You know, it was awkward. So I didn't have any plan for the plane at all. I don't know what's what was wrong with me now when I think about it, but I just thought <laughs> this is going to be chill. It's going to be totally fine. <laughs> I don't really remember much of the flight over. I think we barely spoke. I mean, no one wants to have a conversation like that on a Jetstar flight in front of like 300 other people anyway. So <laughs> we just didn't talk about it. So you land and his parents are there and you proceed to travel with them for a month. How the fuck do you fake being in a relationship for a month? And what was it about the need to pretend that you were still in the relationship? Did any part of you think, why don't we just tell them we're not together? The reason why we had decided not to tell them is because we knew that both of our families would be devastated and I did not want to deal with that. In the midst of this trip, when we got there, we stayed at his aunt's house and I just remember one of the first things that happened was his parents said, "Um, so there are two bedrooms, one has two single beds and one has a double bed, so you guys can take the double bed. And we were like, oh, no, 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 that's fine. We'll just, we'll take the single beds, totally fine. And they were like, no, 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 like, no, you have the double bed. And I was like, okay, (laughs) like can't protest too much. And then 
when we got in there that night after I'd had a shower and come in, he had put pillows down the middle of the bed. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that movie with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn where he puts masking tape down the bed and says, this is my side and this is your side. (laughs) Yeah, it was very amusing. So if you're together for a month, his parents think you're together. Do you kiss in front of them? Do you hold hands? Do you act all like coupley with an arm around the other's shoulder? Or were you guys never that affectionate so it wouldn't raise an eyebrow to not be touching each other? We actually were quite affectionate. So I honestly don't know how nobody uh, like really realized, but I don't think, I mean, it'd probably be kind of a weird question to be like, are you guys okay? Like what's going on? <laughs> like it was very emotionally confusing this trip, as you can imagine. There were moments where we were sort of a bit closer and it didn't really feel like that much of an act I guess you just fall back into eight years worth of like loving each other and then there were other times where he would do funny things like put pillows down the middle of the bed I mean there were just weird conversations too it was there was a lot of um so I think I'm gonna do this like you can come if you want uh, but that's what I'm gonna do no one went off on their own and did anything by themselves so we were sort of together all the time there was just like this weird thing hanging in the air of like what are we doing right now but no nobody nobody said anything I don't know if they thought we were acting strangely but nobody said a thing. Did it ever come up between the two of you about what you were doing whether you know you wanted to get back together like did you have those serious conversations? We did, but only because I like forced us to have those conversations. There are a few times when we're in Argentina, we went out one night to see something, I don't know, flamenco or something like that, like one of those dinners that you go to with dancing and whatever. And then when we came back to the hotel, I think I just snapped and was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what are we doing right now? Because I'm confused about is there anything there are we like ever getting back together is this worth fighting for what's happening are we just this is it it's over and he like I said before uh, was not very emotionally intelligent obviously found those conversations hard didn't want to have them preferred to just ignore everything so I think it was probably just a lot of me crying and like carrying on and him like sitting there in silence I honestly don't know how we just went through all of this trip together on this weird emotional roller coaster without ever having figured anything out. You go through this whole month and you're traveling together. What's it like when you land? I think that was maybe one of the weirdest moments because that was, I mean, draws a line under it because it was sort of like, okay, bye never going to see you again. See you later. Just have spent a month together. I mean, also have spent eight years together, but have spent a month like together every single day. And then that was weird because I also knew that he was then going to go home and tell his parents. So I knew that that was also coming and that was pretty bad as well. So his parents find out, were they angry at you both for faking it during the holiday or to their knowledge, did you guys just break up at the end of the holiday? I still don't know what exactly he told them. So I don't know 
if they know that we weren't together that whole time. I don't know what he told his sister. I don't know what they know about it, but they were just really upset. I mean, my parents were devastated and went on and on at me about it for a long time, which wasn't super helpful, obviously. Yeah, and they sort of did all of this shifty talking to each other behind our backs, which I think was bothering both of us. Um, I don't know what they thought. It wasn't like they were trying to secretly get us back together or anything. I don't know what they were doing, like grieving together. It's weird. I guess when you've just been in each other's lives for eight years, it's sort of like you become close and families become friends. And then when we split, it makes things awkward for them to stay friends, I guess. Especially once we both moved on. With hindsight, would you have sunk the money and not gone on the trip? Or are you glad you didn't waste the money and saw South America? I mean, South America was amazing. So I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that we went. (laughs) We remained entangled in each other's lives for at least 12 months after that. There was a lot of back and forth there was a lot of me being like sad and desperate and wanting answers and all of this and then and him basically just closing me off he moved to another city and I thought you know like I found it really really hard to move on and then he turned up like 12 months later I had taken the train to Sydney and was like crying in the park like called me down from work and was telling me that he wanted to be back together and that was probably like 12 months after this trip and by that point I was like um you told me to move on so I did that makes me sad now when I think about it because what a mess we made I don't know Our final breakup story is on its way. But first, it's time for a Bumble break and the final beehive breakups that we absolutely need you to hear. Mish, it's been a pretty crazy year that has proved that we can just about never guess what's around the corner. Exactly right, Zara. So why should our listeners not add falling in love as the next crazy thing that could happen to them in 2020? I mean, for sure, this year has proved that crazy things have happened. Bumble is the dating app that puts women in control, whether you are looking for a meaningful connection or something casual. Dating is back, so it's time to stop texting your ex and find someone better. (laughs) Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. I dated this guy who was nice at first but then became pretty obsessive with being in contact with me 24-7 and wanted to know like where I was and so when we broke up he called me that same night to tell me that he had a gastrointestinal worm that he thought that he might have given to me. I'm a veterinarian so I knew that that story was pretty BS and highly unlikely so I just hung up on him and then he proceeded to call me seven times in quick succession after that so I just had to block him on everything and I haven't seen him since. 
probably the strangest breakup that I've ever gone through. My boyfriend and I were looking to find another rental. At the time, we are already living together, but we are looking for another house to start a new lease. So we went out one night with a group of his friends, and it was a group of friends I hadn't particularly spent much time with. I knew a lot of his friends, but this was his work friends, and I hadn't spent much time with his work friends. So we are sitting at this bar, having a good time together, and then the girl next to me turns to me and goes, It's so nice of you that you're totally cool with your boyfriend and I moving in together. And I sit there completely shocked, never heard about it before. And she brings up a house on her phone and it was a house that we had gone and inspected a couple days prior. Safe to say that might have been the end of things from that night. Let me introduce you to Liv. Liv had been with her boyfriend Dave for 18 months before her own nightmare breakup. We started by asking her, were there any red flags in the weeks prior? Anything to make her think something really bad was about to happen? Not really, she said. We'd had a breakup a few months prior and it had lasted days, not even. And when we got back together, he'd said he couldn't have not got back together with me. So I was pretty confident that that was it. It was just a little blip. And from then on, we'd be fine. There'd been a few little issues along the way, but nothing sort of major. It had really just been us talking about this ex-girlfriend. That was kind of the crux of the main issue. (laughs) Okay, always a good issue to have, not an (laughs) ex-girlfriend that kind of won't leave the picture. Talk to us, what was the issue with the ex-girlfriend? What was the context around her and why did it keep rearing its head? We actually really never spoke about her at length because it was a long time ago and they were in school and she didn't live in the country. She was in Sweden. So she was never really a big factor in our relationship until this summer where she came to visit and he told me that she was coming and the whole issue was that she was invited on their family holiday down south and so he'd invited her to go on this holiday and stay with his family and I was working a lot at the time and didn't think that I'd get the time off to be able to come because they were literally going like the handful of days in the lead up to Christmas so I had sort of tentatively said, no, don't think I'm going to be able to go. And then he'd said, well, I've invited Eleanor to come on this trip. And it wasn't in an actual conversation like, hey, I've got something to tell you. It was just like, Eleanor's coming down south. And I was like, oh, cool, (laughs) but I'm not going. (laughs) And it's just your mum and dad and your brother and your brother's girlfriend who live all in your house with you. So, well, is that not a bit of a problem? And he was like why and I was like because I'm not going it's a bit weird that you're going to be going with your ex-girlfriend and nobody else like it's not a big group of friends or anything and he was like I just don't see the problem he was quite naive about things and quite innocent like nothing bothers him he doesn't look into things he's so blase about everything so I think he just I think I, I believe that he genuinely didn't think there was anything wrong with it like I don't think he was trying to be weird but that was almost more frustrating in itself Liv, was this the kind of ex-girlfriend that you always got the impression from like, I don't know, Dave's mum and his dad and his brother or whoever else is in the family that they really loved Eleanor? Was that the kind of girlfriend that she was? 
Yeah, they they did. Eleanor was his only other girlfriend and they met because she was a exchange student at his school and so that's when they started dating and so they were able to spend quite a lot of time and they sort of took her in, I think, as a bit of a family member at that time because she was overseas and things like that. I think she was there for a full year and then he went over to Sweden to visit her after she'd gone back it kind of always just felt like they just broke up because of the distance, not because of how they ever felt about each other. So I guess that's always kind of a bit weird and a bit hard. She just lived overseas. If she lived here, then, you know, you don't know. So why was she back in Australia? Was she coming to see him? I mean, other question, why was she invited to the holiday? But let's do both of them. Let's do one thing at a time. Not really sure. She was visiting with another friend who had also come with her on this exchange trip a few years before. She wasn't there to see him. I think she was just there for a holiday because she'd obviously really enjoyed her time here and had made friends and it was time to visit and that was that. The whole family were just a little bit different in their values, I guess, and just the way they went about things to how I had grown up put it that way. Right. So this is like a bubbling tension between you and Dave for the week leading up to the day of. Take us to the day of the breakup. Where are you? What are you doing? How is this all kind of like kicked off? Well, the night before we had, I had been working, I used to do catering for weddings and I had been working a really long shift. Hey guys, it is Zara jumping in here to tell you a very quick version of what happened the night before everything went, well, dare we say, a little badly. Liv was working a really long, really shitty shift and her and Dave had agreed to meet up after her work. The issue was Dave was out drinking and by the time she'd finished work, he was unresponsive and eventually decided he wasn't that interested in catching up with her after all, having found other friends to hang out with. She was annoyed, but she waited until the next day to go over to his house and smooth things over. After all, she had some good news about that holiday to share. So anyway, my roster had come out shortly after that for the next week of work and I had been given a few days off. So I thought, great, I'll go up to his house, make amends, apologise. Like I don't really like conflicts with that kind of thing. I just prefer to just go and say sorry and even though I hadn't done a thing and tell him that I could go down south. Um, Great. Then... Drove up in the afternoon. He wasn't home yet. We had been making this like easel for his next door neighbor for Christmas, this little girl. And we were in the final stages of like painting it. So I'd just gone and started finishing it off. He'd come home with his dad. His dad had given me a smile and a hi. His dad was really nice, um, but nothing, nothing weird. And then Dave had just walked over and said to me, oh, hi. And I was like, I just thought I'd come and talk. I thought we should figure things out. I have been given a few days off as well next week. Thought I could come on the holiday with you. Isn't that good news? (laughs) And he said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I said, oh, why is that such a bad thing? And he had said, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think this is working. And, you know, that heart, stomach drop, sick feeling. And I was just like, oh, okay. I'm not sure where this is coming from. I thought that this was probably something that we could work through. He had said, 
look, why don't we just go and sit down and talk about this? And so then we walked inside and we sat at his kitchen table <laughs> and his whole family was home. So what, they're just pottering around while you're sitting at this table? Yep, yep. The mum's like literally Why? just in the kitchen. The dad's, I don't know, he's always doing odd jobs around the house. The brother and the girlfriend. I mean, they all knew, I think, that he was going to do it. That was almost the worst like, part on reflection. Why not Dave's bedroom? Why not break up with you in his bedroom or his car or go for a walk? Why the fuck would you do it at the kitchen table? Do you know what? I'm not sure. And that's probably something that Dave could probably answer if he ever came on the podcast. But I have no idea. Wasn't a mean person. So I don't think he was doing it to like humiliate me, but obviously it was incredibly humiliating. So yeah, so we're just sitting at the kitchen table and his mum's right there. And he's going, I don't think this is working. You know, there's too many issues too many arguments about this, we're on a different page, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember the exact speech. I don't think there even was one. He wasn't amazing with things like that. I had said, obviously, I don't understand. Where's this come from? I thought we were going okay. We can talk about this properly in private if that's better. (laughs) Uh, Fairly conscious of everybody there. So we hadn't really been sitting there talking for very long. In fact, it wasn't even long enough for me to start crying. And this was definitely a situation that I was ready to cry in. And there is a knock at the back door. And we both look up and it's Eleanor from Sweden. I thought it was some kind of sick joke. I was like, someone sold her to come here. Like, this is not happening. She's there. So you're being broken up with at a kitchen table where his whole family's watching and at the same time his ex-girlfriend, the one that he's planning on going on holiday with, rocks up. Exactly. So she's there and she's all, you know, Swedish and hi and friendly and I can't, I'm not going to do a Swedish accent. They go, oh, Eleanor, come in. We're so excited to see you. And everyone's gathered around and she comes in and she comes and stands. We're obviously just standing at the kitchen table. Uh, She sort of walks in closer toward us and gives Dave a hug and introduces herself to me and we, we hug and it's very uncomfortable for me, obviously. You know, they offer her a drink and I'm like, oh, okay, we're not, we're not, saying this probably isn't a good time or anything Dave's saying nothing then she goes to me are you coming on holiday with us this week and I'm like hold on a second sweetie it's not us you are involved it's me it's my this is my boyfriend's family I I just look at her and I'm like um oh not sure I've got lots of work on this week like what else are you supposed to say? The mum chimes in from behind us in the kitchen, literally shouts, actually, Liv won't be coming on holiday with us this week. Her and Dave are having problems and they're just breaking up. What? Yeah. How long 
is she there for? So what happens from there? You're half broken up with. His ex rocks up. His mum suddenly turns on you. And it sounds like to me, you guys didn't seem to have problems before this day. Is that right? No, no issues whatsoever. It was very, very bizarre behaviour. But we're all a bit shook after that comment. I have nothing to say. He looks uncomfortable. Thank you, finally. And Eleanor has a beer and we all go outside to the back area and we all sit down and we all have a nice chat about her time in Perth and what lovely weather we're having and what are her plans for Christmas Day. Oh, she should pop in. So did you at any point say, hey, Dave, maybe we should go for a walk or I'm going to go home? No, I said, so I didn't want to say anything while she was there because I was just processing that she was, what was she even doing there? Please leave. I was like, she can't stay forever. And surely, surely she would have some kind of insight or something to know that this is obviously an uncomfortable situation. She should probably leave. Anyway, eventually she did. I reckon she was probably there for a good hour. She left and the family start cooking dinner. And Dave's like, well, you should probably just stay. And I was like, well, I guess I probably will because we haven't finished talking. So then we're all sitting around as a family, like normal, but not normal, obviously. It was a very abnormal situation. Fast forward after dinner, the mum stands up and goes, well, it's time for me to go to bed. And where well, everyone goes, oh, night, night, love, normal. And then she just puts her hand on Dave's shoulder and looks at me and goes, well, Liv, if I never see you again, have a nice life. This was never going to work out. There was just too much manipulation. And I just died at that point. Where has this come from? Dave and I haven't even, we haven't spoken about anything since that moment that the door was knocked on by Eleanor. And so I'm just sitting there going, what what the fuck has he said and what is going on? So I'm just sitting there. She's just smiling curtly at me and then she just walks away and the whole family is just sitting there staring at me and I'm, at that point, I'm crying. So then I walk off into Dave's bedroom where there are four walls and a door that can be shut and I wait for him to come and talk to me about this and tell me how inappropriate his mother's behaviour has been for this whole day. I just sat there and then Dave came in and we broke up. I just got up and left and then, yeah, that was that. You've been listening to Love Etc., a production from Shameless Media. To support the show, please click follow on Spotify and sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships.